Thank you for joining us at the First Baptist Church of Coleraine, Massachusetts, as Pastor Jim Rennie continues to faithfully challenge and encourage us in the Word. And it is our prayer that this message will encourage the believer and bring the unbeliever closer to a saving knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'd like to welcome everybody here, and also those that are watching, listening, wherever you may be. Welcome. It's nice to get you tuned in. We are studying through the book of Revelation, and we're going to be doing 12 verses in chapter 9 today. So let's read the word of God. The fifth angel sounded his trumpet, and I saw a star that had fallen from the sky to the earth. The star was given the key to the shaft of the abyss. When he opened the abyss, smoke rose from it like the smoke from a gigantic furnace. The sun and sky were darkened by the smoke from the abyss, and out of the smoke locusts came down upon the earth and were given power like that of scorpions of the earth. They were told not to harm the grass of the earth or any plant or tree, but only those people who did not have the seal of God on their foreheads. They were not given power to kill them, but only to torture them for five months. And the agony they suffered was like that of the sting of a scorpion when it strikes a man. During those days, men will seek death, but will not find it. They will long to die, but death will elude them. The locusts look like horses prepared for battle. On their heads, they wore something like crowns of gold, and their faces resembled human faces. Their hair was like women's hair, and their teeth were like lion's teeth. They had breastplates like breastplates of iron, and the sound of their wings was like the thundering of many horses and chariots rushing into battle. They had tails, and stings like scorpions. And in their tails they had power to torment people for five months. They had as king over them the angel of the abyss, whose name in Hebrew is Abaddon and in Greek Apollyon. The first woe is past Two other woes are yet to come. I entitled this message, The Demonic Locusts. This is part one. When Jesus receives a scroll, because he's the only one worthy to receive the scroll from the hand of God, it had seven seals. And when Jesus breaks each seal, it will 
because it's a future event that will happen. It will unleash judgments that will fall on this earth during the coming tribulation period, actually the second half, the great tribulation period after three and a half years. The last chapter eight, we learn from the final seal of the seven seals that were open. It's going to cause catastrophic events that's poured out a third of the Earth's population also on this planet. After the seven angels, this is holy angels in heaven, they were given a trumpet. And when each angel blows their trumpet, it will unleash even more judgments. Last week, if you remember, we learned about four of those trumpet judgments. Now today, in this chapter, the first nine, 12 verses, we'll learn what will happen when the fifth angel blows his trumpet. It opens up the first of three different judgments described as the woe judgments. So let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, there's a lot to take in in your word, especially the book of Revelation. This is why so many people avoid reading it or preaching on it or try, attempting to teach on it, including John Calvin. That's the only book that he never commentated on. But here we are. We've got into it, delved into it, searched its meanings, and we thank you for enlightening us through your Holy Spirit. Give us understanding as we pray to you to give us an opportunity to be encouraged by it and to warn those that are yet to receive you as personal savior. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We're told uh, in verse one that John saw a star falling from heaven, who received a key, and there may be more than one key, to the shaft of the abyss, or some versions say bottomless pit. So apparently there is a shaft that leads down into the abyss, which basically is another name for hell. The abyss, Jesus said in Luke chapter 16, verse 23, is a place of torment. The abyss is the abode of the spiritually dead. The spiritually dead. A place believed to be in the center of the earth, which boils with molten Lava, of course, you've heard, what was that uh, movie, uh, Journey to the Center of the Earth? They wouldn't make it. They'd get burned up. But, you know, when people die, they've still got a, a living soul. So that soul has to go somewhere, and it's uh, imperishable. So they can abide in the, in the place of the dead, and they will unless they receive Jesus Christ as their personal savior. 
Once you receive Jesus, you receive life, eternal life, and be with him in heaven when we leave this world. Similar to what John says here, the abyss in verse 2, he said it's like a gigantic furnace, a gigantic furnace, place of torment. The abyss is also the realm of some confined angels. These are the wicked angels. Not all the angels are confined in the abyss. These are unholy fallen angels. Uh, some of the demons, many demons are still floating around in the unseen world that you cannot see. In Luke chapter 8, verse 31, we read that Jesus, he cast out many demons out of people that had been possessed by evil spirits. In this case, he cast out many demons from a man named Legion. Do you remember that? These demons begged Jesus not to send them into the abyss. And Jesus, being compassionate even towards these evil spirits, Jesus obliged, having exercised those demons out of Legion, who was then in his right mind, he obliged those demons and he sent them into some grazing pigs that were on the mountain. Remember, they were grazing and they stampeded down into the sea and they drowned. Remember that? Luke chapter 8, read it for yourself. So you can imagine how upset those pig herders were after they lost their livelihood and all the pigs that went down the mountain and died in the river, in the sea. It upset them no end. And they told Jesus to leave in no uncertain terms, to get out of the Gardarians. And he did. You know, uh, he's not going to force himself on people that don't want him. He wants us to come to him by faith. And uh, he won't stay where he's not wanted. All right? And then the beauty of the story is that Legion was left behind. And then he wanted to come with Jesus and the disciples. And he said, no, you stay where you are. Tell people what the Lord has done for you. Be a testimony. Be a witness. That's what we're supposed to be doing. That's who we are. If we don't tell the unsaved about what Jesus has done for us, how are they going to learn? How are they going to know if we don't tell them? We are his ambassadors. Amen? We are his witnesses. Witnesses. Let's do it. This star that uh, John saw, and he definitely, definitely well, he saw it. He didn't imagine this stuff. He saw a star falling from heaven. Now, this is not an inanimate object like the constellations. You know, they, they don't got any life, really. This is a living being. Because notice that the star is referred to as a he which is first-person pronoun. It's a personal pronoun, he. 
It's not an inanimate object. It's a person. All right? Well, how can a star be a person? In the Bible, angels have various titles, including, guess what? Stars. And this star is not just like any old star. Well, he is old. He's been around for a very long time, even before the world was created. This is the fallen angel believed to be who was once called Lucifer. He was a high-ranking angel in heaven before he was thrown out. Now he's known as uh, Satan, the devil, the dragon, the serpent, and other names too numerous to mention, even in public. Isaiah 14 describes Satan's fall from heaven. He rebelled against God. He led, we believe, it tells us in Revelation later on, at least a third of the innumerable angels in heaven in rebellion against God. And could God, knowing everything there is to know, knew what was going on, and he expelled Satan and all his hordes of unholy angels out of heaven. Some were cast into the abyss that are chained up for future judgment, which they will end up in the bottomless pit. And some, like I say, are still in the spiritual realm that you cannot see with the naked eye. And uh, it is believed that even today, not just in Jesus' time, many people, I am sure, are possessed by evil spirits. You wonder why people do the things that they do? Well, that might explain it. Now, some of these fallen angels, they're unholy angels. They're still active, like I said, in the unseen spiritual realm. They're capable of possessing some, not all, not saying that, some unsaved human beings. Now, a Christian cannot be possessed by an evil spirit because the Holy Spirit lives within us, okay? We can be oppressed by demon forces, but we cannot be possessed because we possess the Holy Spirit. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. But there are other of these fallen angels, like I said, they've been locked away in hell for thousands of years, waiting for their final judgment. And they're all going to be judged, and they're, all, they're obviously condemned, and they're all going to be thrown into the lake of fire, which burns forever and ever along with Satan, the false prophet. We'll get there in Revelation eventually. Regarding these angels, some of them, I don't know how many there are, uh, but Jude, verse 6, he talks about these. I think Peter does as well. This is what Jude says. Listen. And the angels, this is the specific ones that are in the abyss, okay, who did not keep their positions of authority but abandoned their proper dwelling. They were in heaven before, remember? These he has kept in darkness, 
bound with everlasting chains, chains for judgment on the great day. That's the day of judgment. They're bound in darkness with everlasting chains, okay? So we need to remember that God is supreme. God is always in control. And we're told we should fear him. We should fear him. Why? This is what Jesus said. Luke chapter 12, verses 4 and 5. This is what Jesus said. Quote, I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body. And after that, can do no more. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after your body has been killed, has authority to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Fear him. God's got the ultimate power. The ultimate authority. Also remember the, uh, the key to this abyss uh, does not belong to Satan. Uh, maybe God was concerned that he wouldn't give it back anyway. Think about that one. He will only have it temporarily. This key. This will release, we're told, some, not all of them, but some of those demons that have been chained up and they're going to cause havoc during the second half of the seven-year tribulation period, known as the Great Tribulation. Now, according to verse 2, um, we assume, a lot of people do, Bible scholars, assume that Satan, he unlocks the shaft that leads down to the abyss and then a th hot, thick black smoke spews out of the abyss. Remember, it's like a furnace. And it blocks out the sun and also the Earth's atmosphere. Now, out of this smoke come these, it says, locusts. He's perfectly emphatic about that. These are locusts, but they're not, not ordinary locusts that we are familiar with on planet Earth. Oh, no, no. These locusts are demons. They've been released out of the abyss. Amen? And they are told not to target the vegetation. We learned that before when a third of the Earth's population and also a third of the Earth's vegetation and the grass and the trees. This says, leave the vegetation alone. You're going to target a third of the Earth's population. All right? And these, the third of this population that are left, these are unbelievers. They're going to be attacked by these demonic locusts. How do we know, how do these uh, demonic locusts know who to attack? It tells us they do not have the seal of God on their forehead. Remember we talked about that before? See, if they had the seal of God on their forehead, they'd be saved. There's people going to be saved during the tribulation period. 
known as the Tribulation Saints. There's also the 144,000 Jewish witnesses. They've got the seal. So believers during the tribulation that are saved, that are going to be saved, they're going to be unharmed. They don't, they've got a different seal. They have the seal of God on them. So the ones that are going to be targeted by these demonic, wicked, demon beings are the unsaved. We're told that uh, in between five and six, we're told that these demon locusts will torment unbelievers, imagine this, for five months. Five months, very specific. Amen? But why five months? Why not seven months? Because seven, we, you know, it's a very... It's a perfect number, isn't it? We keep hearing about seven, seven, seven. Why five? Well, we know in Scripture that the number seven is the perfect number. It's complete. It's the complete number. It's the perfect number. Are you with me so far? But number seven, number five is an odd number, isn't it? It's an odd number. It's not a complete number. It's not a perfect number. It's an incomplete number. Meaning that the first five-month woe judgment will just be a partial outpouring of God's wrath, not a complete outpouring of God's wrath. Because there's more judgments to come. Up and before the end of the Great Tribulation period which will end after seven years. So there's more judgments to come. Number five, five months, it's incomplete. In the meantime, these judgments, why does God allow it? It clearly is going to demonstrate his ultimate supreme power and his absolute hatred of sin. It's, but however, because where there's judgment, there's what? Mercy. Where there's judgment with God, there is mercy because he's compassionate and he, he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So he's giving these believers, uh, these unbelievers, an opportunity as they're going through these trials and these punishments and these torturous conditions is giving them an opportunity to turn to him and be saved to turn from their sins to the savior and be saved of course that many will and unfortunately many won't but he's going to give them the opportunity he's demonstrating his supreme power he's allowing these things to happen okay because he knows what he's doing. He's got a purpose in everything that he does. And we're told that these unbelievers will be stung but, and they will want to die because it's going to be so painful. And so, you ever been stung? Anybody, anybody been stung by a scorpion? No. How about a hornet or a bee or a wasp? Yes, we all, all have been. I remember 
had my little baby daughter on the tank of my motorcycle riding down the road in Papua New Guinea, the only highway, and we were heading into town, which is a precarious thing because some of the natives there, they've got spears and, you know, and they try to put that in your wheel as you're driving by, you know, or just try to scare you, or they might throw an empty, they won't throw a full beer bottle at you, they'll, they'll throw an empty one because they don't want to waste it. So there we were driving down the highway and I got the helmet on and all that. A bee went in the helmet and it started stinging me. By the time I stopped, of course I was keeping the speed limit in. You know, of course I was, always. By the time that I stopped, got the helmet off, the bee fell out and it had stung my ear all seven times. And it swelled up like you wouldn't believe. But anyway, I'll just throw that in for nothing to keep you awake. But I've been stung by a, what's those other things, those nasty hornets. You ever been stung by one of them? It's a lot worse than being stung by being. Imagine being stung by these, like these scorpion demons. They will want to die. It's so painful that they'll want to die. You know, there's a lot worse things than dying. You've been in enough pain. Uh, dying is a relief. Amen? It is a relief for a lot of people to die. And they will want to die. You know, unfortunately, they won't be able to die. In one form or another, they won't even be able to commit suicide. All right? They're not going to be allowed to, even though they want to die. It's so painful, so torturous. That sting from the tales of these demonic locusts. The Bible teaches that when people do die, there's, gonna, there's a separation. I mean, what's left? The shell, yes? The body. The physical body's left. The shell. What has happened? There's a separation of soul and spirit from the body, from the physical body, which unfortunately for people who do not know Jesus as personal saviour, leads to separation from God for all eternity because they've never been saved from their sins. Due to the fact that in this life, and you need to be saved in this life because when you die, it's too late. In this life, they never receive Jesus as their personal saviour. Who is the life? Jesus is the life. You receive Jesus, you receive life. Consequently, those that do not receive life, do not receive Jesus, are lost in their trespasses and sins. They've never been forgiven of their sins. They'll face judgment. They are already condemned. They are spiritually dead. They have no life. They are spiritually dead. When they leave this world and they go to the next one. So how important it is to be saved. It's the most important thing you can ever do, what, what he's done. It's not what we did. It's what he's done for us. Amen? Now, Jesus told the story about two men. He told lots of stories. Greatest storyteller that was ever born. 
He told a story uh, about two men in uh, Luke chapter 16. Read it for yourself again. One man was an unbeliever who died and he went to hell. The other man was a believer and he died and he went to paradise. Now, the unbeliever in hell, he said in his own words, he was in agony in this fire. Remember we talked about the furnace, the fiery furnace? He was in agony in this fire. And the thing is, they're in torment, but they cannot die. Now, even though people in hell may want to die, they won't be able to. Just like these unbelievers in this chapter in Revelation. They're going to be tormented for five months. They'll want to die, but they are unable to. Now, in verses seven through eight, John compares these demon locusts. He said they look like horses. Imagine this. They look like horses, having faces like humans, hair like women's hair. I assume it was long. Wearing what looked like crowns on their heads, with teeth like lion's teeth, ready for war. Remember the emphasis on like? It looked like. That's what he saw. That's the best way he could express himself when he wrote down what he saw. Now, in verses 9 and 10, it gives more details about these locust demons. On their breastplates, pretty emphatic, it resembles like iron armor plates. The noise of their wings in flight so loud, it sounded like chariots rushing into battle. And they had tails with stingers like scorpions to inflict pain for five months. Now, some people have equated this with modern warfare. Obviously, John's vision of future events has prompted many people to speculate on its meaning. And that's what people continue to do. They speculate on and try to interpret the book of Revelation. Some Bible teachers see this invasion of locusts, these demon locusts, as an end times military invasion with heavily armed helicopters, right? You can see why they get that idea. The noise of their wings in flight so loud, it sounds like chariots rushing into battle. You ever seen the movie Apocalypse Now? Right? All those helicopters and the noise that they make. So people assume, well, this has got to be uh, talking about modern warfare and, and mo modern weapons of war and military paraphernalia. However, even though John often uses figurative language, when he says like, for example, it's like. What he's trying to do is trying to describe what he saw and what he heard. Nevertheless, his writings, 
like I said last week, it's got to be taken literally. Literally. So, the idea these locusts are modern-day weapons of war, it doesn't hold water. It doesn't hold water at all. Why? Because these locusts, we're told, come from the netherworld, the abyss. He tells us what they are. If, you know, if, if, if it would have, he said a helicopter, it would have been a helicopter. They come from the abyss, the place of torment, the abode of the spiritually dead. These are demons, not an army of humans. They come from the abyss, not from China or Russia. That's going to happen later on, believe me, when we get there. Not yet. These are demonic locust beings, okay? It's quite plain. The Bible interprets itself. Amen? These are demons. They've got no need to use manufactured modern-day weapons of war. They're demonic. God's given them the power for his purpose to bring people to Christ that are going through these torment periods of time. Now, in verse 11, we're almost finished. It talks about this king over the abyss, this king. What, what's it talking about? Well, speaking of angels, the, the Bible teaches that angels, whether holy angels or fallen angels, they have different ranks, all right? They have different ranks. You've got Michael and, you know, archangels. So you've got high-ranking angels and you've got low-ranking angels. It's like uh, similar to, you know, in our modern day. Uh, you've got uh, book privates, that's what they call them, book privates, and you've got four-star generals. Right? There's different ranks. Amen? Same in the spirit world. Angels are the same. Now, Lucifer, who we've talked about, for example, he was once a high-ranking angel in heaven before he was thrown out. And then he became Satan, the devil, the serpent, the dragon, whatever you want to call him. Now, ever since his rebellion and consequent expulsion from his position, his high-ranking position in heaven, he has another name, but it's a high-ranking position. Not Prince Charles, and God bless the Queen. We just found out she's got COVID. Pray for the Queen. She'll get better. The Prince, referring to Satan, right? What's he called now, amongst other things? The Prince of the power of the air. The prince of the power of the air. You can't see them, but they're there. Now, he's the one, and we can't be emphatic, gives us a pretty good clue. He's the one believed to be what verse 11 calls the king over the abyss. He may be, I can't be emphatic about that, I don't know, but it gives a pretty good clue 
that it might be Satan himself. He's a high-ranking fallen angel, and they give us the name of who he is. What does your version say? Abaddon. He really is Abaddon. Abaddon. That's in Hebrew. And there's also Apollyon. Apollyon, that's the Greek. It means the same thing. Destroyer. Right? The one who destroys. This destroyer could be the devil himself. Well, certainly, we know, a very high-ranking demon, all right, who has been given the key to the abyss. Satan and his demonic horde, you need to pray for me after this message because I know Satan and his demonic horde are going to be coming after me. Believe it. Satan and his demonic horde are on a mission to destroy humanity. Why? Because Satan knows where he's going. He's going to be thrown along with his fallen angels and the false prophet and the antichrist and all the unbelievers. They're going to be thrown into the lake of fire forever and ever and ever and be tormented forever and ever and ever. So he knows where he's going and he wants to take every human being with him because he doesn't want you to be saved. So who are you going to believe? Jesus? Or are you going to follow Satan? You can't serve two masters. And that's where you're going to end up if you don't receive Jesus who loved you and died for you so you wouldn't have to face judgment, which you surely will. So you've got to be saved in this life because when we leave this life, it's too late. Opportunity sometimes only knocks once. Don't wait. Don't wait. So thankfully, though, you know, Satan comes to, to destroy. But the Lord Jesus, he came into this world and he came to seek and to save that which is lost, to rescue us, to save us. So today, we've learned about this first Woe, judgment. There's two more to come. It tells us in uh, verse 12, my final verse today, it informs us that the first woe is past. Two other woes are yet to come. So next week, Lord willing, we'll learn about what the other two woes are. The world judgments are that will befall all those that are left behind during the great tribulation period. Thank God 
for us believers. We've been saved. We've been rescued. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 9 tells us that we are, have not been appointed to wrath. So the wrath of God does not abide upon us. Amen? But the book of Revelation is clear. The wrath of God abides on unbelievers. So if you're listening to this message and you're watching this message, it should be a warning to you. It's a warning. Those who have never received Jesus Christ as their personal saviour, the wrath of God abides on them and you're already condemned. But you can be saved, you can be rescued from the wrath to come by simply calling upon the name of Jesus, believing in your heart, saying, Lord Jesus, I know that you are the saviour. You came to this earth as an innocent, sinless baby, lived a perfect life, performed all kinds of miracles to prove that you are the saviour, that you are the son of God. And then you went to the cross and you bled and died for me. You took the punishment on your body so I wouldn't have to face judgment. And I thank you and I am so sorry that you had to do that for me, a sinner. And now I call upon you to save me. Save me from my sins because I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven when I leave this world. And I want peace on earth that I've never known before. And if you pray that prayer and you truly mean it from the heart, then Jesus will save you. And I hope and pray that you do, because if you do, that's always the right decision. So take it as a, a warning because you don't want to be condemned to a lost eternity. Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much for your word. Thanks for the clarity of your word. We try to make things plain. We don't have to try to interpret what it means. God is his own interpreter, yet he will make it plain. And we thank you for this book. And it is a warning, a warning to those who are listening that unless they receive you, they will spend eternity in hell, eternal separation from you, having never received life. But I hope and pray that they will. Receive Jesus, they receive life. Who says? I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And no man comes unto the Father but by me. As for the rest of us, time is short. Jesus is coming back. It could happen at any time. We're going to be taken out in an instant. In the twinkling of an eye, when we hear that trumpet, we're gone. And we meet the Lord in the air, so shall we be, forever be with the Lord. So help us to be the witness 
that you want us to be, not to be fearful, to share our faith. Jesus says, uh, you don't need to cast your pearls before swine. What does he mean by that? You don't have to force people that don't want to hear it. They won't appreciate it anyway, but there are some that will listen to our testimony. And may God use us to share our faith and lift up the name of Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you, and God bless you. Thank you again for tuning in. You can find our podcasts on Apple Podcasts and anywhere else you find podcasts. We'd love for you to join us at the First Baptist Church in Coleraine for Sunday morning worship at 11 a.m. We are located at 81 Foundry Village Road, Coleraine, Massachusetts. If you have any questions or inquiries, please feel free to call the church at 413-624-8886. Hope to see you soon. God bless.